Hi, I'm Helen Avery with the Green Finance Institute, and you're listening to Financing Nature from GFI Hive. In today's episode, Kevin Bender, Senior Director at NatureVest at the Nature Conservancy, will be joining me to walk us through the recent Belize debt conversion, blue loan, blue bonds deal, and discuss the links between sovereign debt and conservation. I think countries need to just prioritize. It's just a matter of getting governments to know what they want to do, and then walking through what how that structure would be. And I think the market is killing themselves to figure out the solutions, right? The investor base is there. Uh, there's money to be made from the Wall Street banks that arrange these things. So, uh, And there's a high interest to the uh, blended finance side of the development banks and the governments to be involved. And that, I think there's unlimited potential. Hello. And Happy New Year. Can I still say that? Um, I just have, so it's too late. But Happy New Year indeed. Thanks for joining me today with our guest, Kevin Bender, to talk through the recent Belize deal that incorporates conservation with debt restructuring. It's a highly complex deal. So Kevin's kindly going to guide us through it. Just by way of background about the deal, Belize, you may well know, I have not had the pleasure of being there, is really rich in natural capital. The Belize Barrier Reef, for example, is the second largest expanse of coral in the world. And Belize attracts hundreds of thousands of tourists every year. That was until the pandemic hit. Um, In 2020, tourism in Belize dried up and public debt, which Belize's government was already struggling with, jumped from just under 100% of GDP in 2019 to over 125%. So that forced Belize to restructure its debt with the help of the Nature Conservancy into this very complex deal of many moving parts, including blue bonds, a blue loan, insurance from the International Development Finance Corporation, uh, an endowment, and a conservation fund was set up. It's um, so incredibly interesting and provides a replicable structure for other countries committed to conservation where sovereign debt is trading at a discount. So really excited to have Kevin join us today and get into the deal and also talk about blended finance more broadly. Well, welcome, Kevin. It's really nice to meet you. If you've not met before, how, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank, thank you for uh, having me. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, for those who may not know the Nature Conservancy, um, hard to imagine, one of the, the largest environmental organizations in the world, um, would you mind just briefly giving us you know, a quick overview of the work that you do and especially your role, which is just absolutely fascinating. And we're obviously going to be diving into sovereign debt and uh, its role in conservation today. So all yours. Sure. Um the, the Nature Conservancy is, I think, by numbers and footprint, the world's largest uh, conservation organization, um, working in all 50 states of the United States, but in 70 countries around the world and thousands of employees. Uh, within, na- within the Nature Conservancy, I work for a group called uh, NatureVest, which is the impact investment arm. So we, we work on solutions that are capital markets or commercial financing, finance financeable solutions uh, for, for conservation. Uh, and then within NatureVest, I work in a group called the Sustainable Debt. So we focus on debt, um, sovereign, mostly sovereign debt solutions. Uh, 
as part of Nature Vesta, the sustainable debt team, we we support a group called Blue Bonds for Ocean Conservation, um, and we work to restructure commercial. Uh, so, capital markets and commercial debt of, of, of countries, sovereign debt, uh, to refinance that into a, a better structure. And out of the savings that we get out of the country gets out of this better structure, we finance conservation. And we'll be talking about specifically the Bel- the more recent Belize deal, um, where all that comes into play. Um, and thank you for touching on Nature Vest. Um, and hopefully we'll talk about this a bit later too, because I just think it's so interesting that you know, a huge environmental conservation organization like TNC was an early mover into understanding that capital markets, that private finance, um, as well as public finance, obviously, can play a role in supporting conservation, not just you know donations, which was the sort of standard traditional model. So lots to talk about today. Um, and kind of let's dive in. So the recent deal in Belize, um, there's actually been an evolution um, uh, I know you've worked with Belize before and the Seychelles from what were known as and still are known as debt for nature swaps, that structure. So I wonder if you could just sort of share with us to start with, or ease us in gently because it gets quite complex, this Belize deal. What are debt for nature swaps? And can you talk us through that evolution? Uh, sure. The uh, debt for nature swap is a a known term, uh, a specific term for some and a kind of a general product for for others so it's it's good to take a second to clarify it but debt for nature swaps were started were popular started in the late 1980s and were very popular in the 1990s and that was where a, a bilateral so one sovereign government worked with an, an, a developing country uh, that had existing debt and often forgave that debt or forgave part of that debt uh, and then the saving so the country would continue to service the debt but instead of paying back the bilateral they would be they would put that financing into conservation. And then that would come with conservation commitments, similar to what we did, uh, and protecting a forest usually, uh, or it could be coral reefs or something. Um, And then, so there'd be conservation commitments and a source of financing uh, to meet those commitments. They tended to be smaller, lower than a $50 million range, 30, 40, $50 million. And then we did a deal in the Seychelles back in, we closed in 2016, which was kind of a a step to what we did in Belize, and that was working with Paris Club lenders, which are bilaterals, which are sovereign lenders. Um, we found it was a kind of a difficult structure because we we didn't get that debt at any discount, and there wasn't the forgiveness, so we had to find grants. Uh, so we were leveraging our ability to go into the donor world, get grants to make the structure work, and then we would get more cash flow out of it in the long run, uh, to, and and that resulted in a very large. Um, commitment of Seychelles to to put a very large area under protection, uh, which the Seychelles was very eager to do. So the third step was what I call debt conversions, where we what we were looking for, what we really needed in the Seychelles deal was a discount. Uh, and if you look in the capital markets, you naturally get discounts when countries are at an economic difficulty, uh, financial constraints. Uh, the price of the debt in the market will trade below 100 cents on the dollar, will trade at a discount. Um, in Belize, when we first started talking to Belize, we brought this concept to Belize, we, the debt was trading around 38, 40, 40 cents on the dollar. So it was a very large discount. Um, and the discount isn't all we had. The TNT did our first debt for nature swap in Belize. Uh, and that project, is, that program is still going on, the protection of that forest. 
so we've had a long three-decade relationship with Belize. Uh, we knew what Belize, the government was willing to do. They, they had a, and I say the government, there was an election in last October or November. So we started after that election, but Belize has historically been very committed to conservation. And we work with them on both the conservation side saying, we know you want to achieve these conservation goals. We can help you out with the, the restructuring of your Eurobond, which is out in the market, which was already had been, they were not making payments on. They had suspended payments and the bondholders were sitting around the table you know, to negotiate. So just to clarify, um, when you started working with Belize, the Eurobonds, which are owned by commercial investors, not the bilateral Paris club that we talked about in the debt financial swaps, were trading about 38, 40 cents on the dollar. So steep. A very, a very steep discount. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so I wondered if we could sort of back right up as we sort of talk about that part and uh, then the blue bond and then the loan and the conservation fund, so many moving parts around this Belize fund. Just to kind of, can you just sort of share with us, you know, what was the problem that Belize was facing? Um, I think that'd be really helpful just to frame that up. So Belize had, they, they were facing financial difficulties before COVID hit, but Belize is a very tourism-based economy. So once COVID hit and they had already been in a fiscal constraint, um, what we restructured was called the super bond and the super bond had resulted out of restructuring before and then it had been restructured. So uh, there is a history uh, in Belize of not quite getting out of the financial downward spiral. Uh, there was interest in getting out of that spiral, and, but they were really in an economic problem with COVID uh, and, and, and needed a solution. Um, we had known that they were because we have an office on the ground and we've been there, as I mentioned, for, for three decades, we had been working with them for years on what the conservation commitments of the ocean were, what their goals were, and how we could help them uh, make that work. Now, when we brought them this structure, as you rightly put in, it's a very complicated structure because if you looked at it, it's really a back-to-back-to-back-to-back transaction. <laughs> it, it does get a little deep. But our, our thoughts were you're, you're talking to your bondholders we can come in and finance you at a below market rate because at that 38 to 40 cent discount that was in the market, the yield that came out of that was probably 16, 17%, somewhere in that category. Uh, and we ended up lending to them at 6.1% interest um, uh, and bought the debt at 55 cents on, on the dollar. So it's a 6.1% interest on just over half of the amount of principal outstanding. So that was a structure. At the time, we didn't know what we could get with the bondholders on the price, uh, but we felt that the bondholders would be interested in listening to a, you know, a just a cash-out offer, particularly a cash-out offer that had ESG components to it. Uh, so there are two transactions here. One is the transaction of what we call the blue loan, and that is financed in the end by the blue bonds, which I'll get into. And the other transaction is the conservation funding agreement, which is the, the, the cash flow that we generate out of the savings. So part of the savings goes went to helping Belize with their financial difficulties and making some of the debt disappear. Uh, and then the other component is the conservation funding agreement. So the first uh, structure, the, 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 the blue loan, uh, was a loan that we made to the government of Belize for $364 million. And that was to pay off the, bond, the super bondholders uh, in full. So that went away and then they were just left. Now they have a loan from the TNC financial subsidiary that we've created. That loan 
is credit enhanced or insured by the United States Development Finance Corporation. Insurance policy that if Belize defaulted on our loan, then we would go to arbitration. And if Belize couldn't pay after arbitration, then the, the United States government would step in and it would be a bilateral agreement. They would pay us out or continue to service the payments. Uh, and then we could pass it on to our financiers. So our financiers were Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse fully underwrote the, the, the transaction, fully underwritten um, by a Credit Suisse subsidiary. And then Credit Suisse then went out and issued bonds in the market to finance it through capital markets. Now, the big interest, the, 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 the big gain here is that the Belize super bond holders, the, the bonds that were between Belize and the super bond holders was rated CAA3, which is basically default. Um, they were on the brink of default at the time. And with the credit enhancement, the blue bonds that have been credit rated by Moody's are AA2. So they're very high rated and very low risk. So that takes us from a very small investor base of the you know kind of high risk emerging market investor, which is a smaller world, into the gigantic world of pension funds and insurance companies that buy AA paper. Um, and that increased our universe. And within that universe, it allows us to target the the investors that really are focused on ESG to help us drive down the, the spread. It's a very complicated transaction, even for those investors. So it does trade at a price above your normal uh, normal double uh, A paper, but it does have the benefit of the environmental gain pickup and the the structure that has TNC firmly ensconced all throughout. Not the fine, just the financing, but the conservation commitments for the next twenty years. So I'm gonna talk this back to you and then we'll talk about the conservation fund you well firstly you'll tell me if i've understood it or not so it has out in the market what are called well super bonds or euro bonds it's trading at 38 40 cents on the dollar then uh tnc comes along and says we will finance that to be bought back at 55 cents on the dollar mm -hmm. and the way tnc did that was by um, raising bonds from all different types of investors with Credit Suisse, the blue bonds, and then offering a blue loan to Belize to pay back on terms that it can sort of meet. And then there's this conservation fund on the side. Is that roughly it? <laughs> yeah, um, it's it, that's roughly it. There's a lot more to it, but we don't want to get into any of that. And the, the only thing is that the blue bonds have not been issued I can't talk too much about those because they're still being placed in the market, right? And there's all kinds of SEC rules. And, 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 I see. But. And, you know, we're going to write it up as a case study and put it on the hive. So hopefully people can sort of go back and there'll be a bit more, there'll be more detail, especially on the risk insurance, which um, was a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. I know I've sort of brushed over there. Um, so then um, there's also this conservation fund. Yes that has been set up that was all part of the same package. It all came together. Yep. So can you talk us through that? That is a commitment by the government of Belize to make payments of roughly $4 million a year. It starts off smaller and it grows larger over the next 20 years uh, to finance the conservation, ocean marine conservation needs of Belize. TNC works is working with the government and has been working with the government to set up a, a conservation fund on the ground in Belize that will be an independent entity that will disperse those funds. And TNC is also working with 
the government of Belize to do a marine spatial plan where they map up all map out all of their ocean and then we work with them to ensure that the conservation commitments which Belize committed to 30% protection to get to 30% protection of their ocean by 2026 that's a big role for TNC to play because you know we we've done these we're, we're we have scientists that work on these things and the government of Belize wants us to make sure ensure we do the right the conservation the correct way uh, so that would be like a three to five year process. And then what the government of Belize also did was they borrowed an extra $23.5 million in, from our loan to finance an endowment. And that endowment will grow over the next uh, 20 years, over to, we estimate over $90 million. And then that endowment will continue paying the conservation commitments after the 20 years of the government payments. Oh, great. So you've basically assured that there will be investment into conservation in Belize for an extended period of time. Right. So it will not just end after 20 years, it will go on for the foreseeable future. Now, the conservation commitments that the government of Belize has made are legally binding commitments because that conservation funding agreement is linked to the the conservation commitments, which are extensive, but the, the big picture is the 30% commitment. So Belize currently has 15.9% of their ocean under protection, and they'll be going by 2026 to 30%. So that's time-bound and clear goals that they have, milestones that they have to hit. If they don't meet the time-bound commitments, those big ones that we talked about earlier, by the date that they promised, there is a grace period of one year, but if the grace period passes, they incur a financial penalty. So instead of paying the 4.2 million, they have to pay an extra 1 million or more uh, per year, which just goes into an escrow account um, until they they fix that, cure that problem, and they, they meet that milestone, in which case the money comes back to them. If they never fix that, never, if they never cure this money outstanding, it goes into the endowment at the end and it goes to the conservation fund. And, and we're there to help them all along the way. Like I said, we have a team on the ground that will be fully ensconced in this conservation work and be working with the government to ensure that they meet these milestones. So I, I guess having all those requirements in place around marine conservation and the endowment and the fund um, uh, is why we're calling this a blue bond and a blue loan. It could be just a debt conversion in any other circumstance other than it's completely tied into this whole package of marine conservation. Exactly. Yes. And, and the, the marine conservation is also the reason the United States government is coming in with the, uh, insurance policy. So Got it. without it, none of this works. This is not something that Goldman Sachs can just come out and say, oh, let's do this because they can't get the, these without the conservation commitments. Uh, there needs to be the blended finance component of this. And that comes from conservation. Right. The last thing I want to add to the, the conversation before um, is to point out that the conservation funding agreement, um, it has a cross-default clause with the blue loan, meaning that if they don't meet those conservation commitments and they don't pay them, it would be the same as not paying the blue loan, which would make us default on the blue bonds but and bring in the United States government on the arbitration. Um, brilliant. Okay. Okay. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, so many moving parts in there. I was going to ask you what were the complexities and challenges, but it seems like a bit of a silly question because <laughs> I'm sure there were just so many. But There's also helpful? a whole other insurance policy in there. There's a parametric insurance. I don't know if your listeners are interested in that. We could talk about oh, it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. So so please, just I'd love to hear about it. 
Okay, so another component of the structure is the is the parametric insurance policy that was um, created by uh, Willis uh, Towers Watson and us. We we worked on uh, creating an insurance policy that will allow uh, the government of Belize to draw on that policy in the event of a hurricane hitting the, the country and resulting in the high burden of costs and not being able to meet their um, their payments. The reason we did that is because the emerging market bonds in the in the region and in, in, in the Caribbean region often have a clause that allows them to delay payments in the event of a storm hitting their economy. Uh-huh. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so much happening in this deal, right? It must have been really challenging to put together. Yeah, the the whole structure itself was very complicated. Um, and, and the fact that we had to close many deals at the same time and get those deals approved by the Parliament of Belize and, you know, Credit Suisse and, and DFC. Uh, but we, we learned a lot, right? We, we, the next deal will be much more simpler um, because of what we've done. But it, it was really just all the moving parts that made this so complex. And that's where an entity like NatureVest needs to exist uh, because this is not just Wall Street investment. This is not just uh, development bank type structures. This is a hybrid of the blended finance of the two with a very deep conservation commitment or other, some type of other you know, output results-based financing. Uh, so with NatureVest and TNC sitting right in the middle, we have the expertise in-house to handle the conservation side, the science side, you know, um, as well as in NatureVest. And that's why TNC built NatureVest. Uh, you know, I'm an ex-investment banker, ex-world banker. Um, so we could sit in the middle and be able to handle all these moving parts, which I think leads to a, a much stronger product in the investment world, because you're seeing lots of work on the, uh, you know, the great work that Climate Bonds Initiative is doing on the green bond taxonomy and the like, which they're trying to make everything standard across this very complex universe uh, and have one, you know, one guiding document on, on how you can know that think the green, you know, green structures are working. And there's also a lot of work being done on sustainability link bonds, which are much more complicated, and you know, you have that have the sustainability check off. But there's a huge demand for these things. And, and, and all the investors we talked to are very eager for the ESG and not just E, but SNG as well, but certainly the, the environmental side of it. And what our structure does, and I'm not recommending it be replicated in other industries or even other uh, programs, but because TNC is so f firmly ensconced in these conservation goals and getting the conservation done, it gives investors a lot of comfort to say, well, this doesn't check a lot of boxes, but I know that our goals are aligned with the Nature Conservancy. So it's a really interesting point you make about um, this need for high integrity deals. Um, and I think that's something that as we're sort of talking about the growth of nature-based finance, it's becoming clearer and clearer that investors are nervous, financial institutions are nervous about putting deals together that may not be ticking boxes that ENGOs want. So it's, as you say, um, NatureVest uh, through nature, the Nature Conservancy plays such a vital role in giving assurance to not just the financial integrity 
of a of a deal by working with partners like you do, but also just the environmental integrity is going to remain. So I just think that's yeah, that's um, what I spend all my time. You know, I, I talk to governments, you know, insurers, like DFCs and the like, investment banks or rangers of, of debt, uh, and investors. <laughs> um, and when I talk to investors, this is immediately what we get to, and we spend all of our time with them saying, how do we, you know, know this? And I usually just say. You know, you, you, you have to believe in what we're doing. And if you think TNC is has the capability to do it and are what we're trying to achieve is what you're trying to achieve, you should be done at that point. I don't, you know, and then you've got to have some type of internal approval process that allows you to do that. But they get it at the end of the conversation that, yeah, this is exactly what we need. And, and now with, you know, I, I think, and maybe I could say this, but I think the big win for me out of COP26 was that nature and nature-based solutions are now on everybody's table. Everybody gets that that is part of it, including the capital markets investment world, which is trillions and trillions of dollars in science. So on that, where do you think we're going in terms of uh, nature-based finance? I, you know, you've mentioned parametric insurance. That's, I think, something emerging. Blue bonds, uh, again, we, we haven't had much of that. I felt like almost like marine was kind of missed out of COP26 to some extent. Um, and then I'm uh, and then I'm throwing all these questions at you. You know, the role of NGOs in working more closely on these capital um markets structures and deals. Um, so there's a lot there I've just thrown at you. Uh, and then for good measure, sovereign debt <laughs> more generally and nature. But so where do you see us going? What's what are your hopes and concerns over the next year and decade? So there's a lot of options for sovereigns, um, and most of the options are new debt because you know sovereigns don't issue equity. It's all it's all got to be debt, uh, and new debt is is very much needed uh, and plays a great role. I, our structure restructures existing debt to create the savings to pay for it, and, and one of the key benefits of that is our our structure recycles all of that conservation payment back into the local economy and it's paid in local currency. So there's a lot of benefits to the to the ministries of finance of this world to our structure. Um, if they're looking at you know meeting their climate commitments and the like, there's a you know there's a lot of ways to structure your debt and work in the the, the green uh, the green bond uh, taxonomy and and I think that's pretty established. Uh, and I think countries know that, and a lot of countries are moving, working towards that. Now, what we I think countries are struggling with is how do the nature-based solutions and the natural resource solutions fit into that? And that's where you know there are plenty of Wall Street banks and advisors who can structure anything you want, um, but getting that type of thinking into you know the 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 debt strategy of governments is where the NGOs like TNC and, and particularly NatureVest um, can, can play a large role. I th- you know, NatureVest is, as I mentioned earlier, slightly different than your, it makes TNC slightly different because we can sit down with the ministries of finance and say, you know, what are your problems? Let's address your problems, but what are your goals? You know, what they really need to think about. And that's harder for the ministry of finance because that's not usually the ministry of finance. Then it's another ministry, the ministry of environment, the ministry of sustainable development, maybe the ministry of marine affairs or something. And you need to figure out what these countries are really trying to achieve, and then how to bring on the NGOs to help them achieve it. How to bring on the um, credit enhancers, the, you know, the, the regional development banks or the multilateral development banks, um, and, and get the structure right, and then bring in the investment banks. But it all has to be under one umbrella, and to make it the most efficient. Uh, so the key thing for us is to 
understand what the government wants to achieve. And if that is biodiversity and conservation protection, then we can help them work out, work out the financing. It doesn't work without it. It's not a quid pro quo type of thing. It has to be us getting governments to achieve their conservation goals through this structuring. Otherwise, it just probably would not be worth all the effort <laughs> um, and, and time it takes to get this done. Okay. And then coming back to this, you know, I just love your thoughts on more generally nature-based finance. I mean, what do you, I mean, this is a huge question to land you with as we start to wrap up but like where, where do you see the trajectory going what sort of interests you as you look out there and what do you think has legs and what are your some some of your concerns as we sort of seem to be rushing into nature-based finance now i think that's the the big question um as we saw in in, in cop 26 this is now on the table and and people are taking nature-based solutions seriously as the climate solution um as well as there's just countries that, you know, there's no country that has enough financing for conservation, right? Everybody has a shortfall. Uh, so this can work in any, I'm sure, any in, in any economy. Um, I think countries need to just prioritize what, and then and they do that. They do that very well. That's what the Ministry of Finance in the world do. They work with all the, 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 uh, the other ministries and figure out what the priorities are. And if those priorities are nature-based solutions. I think it might be difficult for them to see the financial opportunity of nature-based solutions and why putting, you know, protecting your coral reefs or your mangroves are really that, you know, not just uh, a burden, but a financially positive thing to do uh, and look at the economy and say, okay, or if shifting out of overfishing uh, and creating a solution to let the fish stocks come back and, you know, have a longer term plan, that's where NGOs like TNC can play that role. Uh, and I think the market is killing themselves to figure out the solutions, right? The investor base is there. Uh, there's money to be made from the Wall Street banks that arrange these things. So, uh, And there's a high interest to the uh, blended finance side of the development banks and the governments to be involved. So it's just a matter of getting governments to know what they want to do and then walking through what how that structure would be. And that, I think there's unlimited potential. Mm -hmm. um, well, as we wrap up here, you know, you know, with the Green Finance Institute based in the UK, through GFI Hive and our nature programs, we're focused on mobilising capital for nature, restoration, uh, protection, conservation for the UK. Um, and know that the Nature Conservancy also does a lot of work here to looking at this exact same challenge. We've talked a lot today about connecting sovereign debt to nature in emerging and developing nations. Um, so my question to you is, do you see a role that sovereign debt of developed countries like the UK or indeed the US could play in increasing funding for nature restoration and conservation? Maybe not in the sovereign debt side. I think in the more developed economies, um, if the UK wants to raise money, the UK can raise money. <laughs> they can issue bonds and, and finance whatever they need um, or even allocate budget to it. Uh, so it's it's a whole different world from where I work and the world I know. But there's a lot more that can be done on corporate financing side, um, you know, private equity. Um, so, I, I yes, I think there's just as many, if not more, opportunities in commercial and capital market financing in economies like the UK. I just work and feel like the real solutions are needed on the smaller economies and getting their debt sustainability done and getting them to finance the things they need to finance. Yeah, makes sense. I was just thinking about um, 
the so-called greenium and whether an issuance of a sovereign green bond by like a Germany or the UK that has specific proceeds allocated for nature may be a bit of a win with investors. I know that the UK's um, last sovereign bond issuance had some proceeds dedicated for specifically to nature. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, to your point, there's plenty of other ways to... There's certainly a lot of work being done on that. Um, and the greenium is, try, you know, we're trying to get the greenium to be conspicuous. It's still early days on that. And I think we, we have to go through some, um, you know, I, I was at the Royal Bank when I didn't work on the project, but when the first green bonds came out and I was a little confused as being, you know, I was an ex-corporate finance guy and saying, why would anybody want to issue a green bond that just limits them to green products and you have to pay more money and doesn't make sense. Um, until you get that greenium and there's a, a way forward. But it's also, you know, it's, it's coming uh, and it's starting to get digested and we, we've got clear climate and biodiversity goals by 2030. So the clock, you know, there's not that much time for these markets to move and I think they will move as fast as needed. Um, uh, and I, I, I would imagine within a few years, we'll have that sorted as with carbon credits and offsets and, and figuring out all these other markets. Um, but you mentioned Germany, you know, one thing that Germany, the Germany's and the UK's of this world could do is to use their high credit rating and raise the capital for the other countries, you know, that often have larger footprints, you know, if it's a landlocked country that wants to help the oceans, or if it's like, you know, a, a particular um, ocean facing economy like Norway or something, you know, they, they can use their strong credit rating um, to put together uh, guarantees for these governments or, you know, play the blended finance role uh, and separate, separate the risk for the investors. And that's what the blended finance is all meant to do. It's just supposed to allocate the risk to the, those who can handle the risk. Um, right. So the nego in our structure, right. the negotiation of refinancing or, or, or default financing, the power of the United States government to do that with Belize, who is Belize's number one trading partner and you know, has great relations with them and already on a bilateral level, your average bondholder doesn't have that and has high concerns that they're not going to be protected. Uh, so the fact that they can step in with very little risk is what blended finance is supposed to do. So it just takes a lot of time to allocate those pieces. Um, and that's what we're seeing with all these markets move, moving, you get institutions like NatureVest and, and like you guys, right? Because you're pulling this stuff together and looking for opportunities. And there's just you know, somebody has to sit on top of this and pull everything together and take advantage of it. And it's very complicated and takes a lot of time. Um, but fortunately, there are even donors out there to finance groups like ours to, to get that done. So it, the pieces are in place and it's moving in the right direction. I'm, I'm very optimistic. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Really looking forward to um, following the work of Nature Vista and the Nature Conservancy over the rest of the year and hopefully have you or one, one of your team back on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate that you're you're putting together podcasts like this, and hopefully, you know, we can we can do more. Like I said, Nature Vest has many different columns within uh, within its team, uh, and we're happy to to participate in the future. So keep up the good work. Thank you. What a complex deal to put together. <laughs> but that is all we have time for this week. I'll be back next week. But in the meantime, we'll be putting the case study of the Belize deal up on GFI Hive 
where we'll have more details of the nuances within that transaction. And you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter on GFI Hive's uh, site for all updates. uh, So you'll get that case study into your inbox. And until next week, it remains only for me to say thank you very much for listening. And thank you to Financing Nature Funders, the Esme Fairbairn Foundation, and to our editor, Robin Lieburn of Fairly Media. 